Hello, and welcome to the Equiline Podcast. This is Dr. Wendy Corin. And this is Dr. Dave Unquist. And today we're going to talk about that question that doctors get, professionals get, and patients ask, when will I see you again? I'm not singing for your... (laughs) When do I need need to be seen again? This is one of the biggest questions we get, whether it's human, dog, cat, horse, whatever. When do I need to be seen again? And it's fascinating because I will have to say that I, I turn this question around quite often when someone will say to me, when does Fluffy, Fido, or Bob, when do you need to see them? And the truth of the matter is, I don't need to see them. We're talking about their needs. And as for you professionals out there, when you say to a client, I need to see you three times a week, they hear you. You know, those words are very different than in my clinical experience, this responds best to being seen weekly, monthly, daily, whatever the truth of the matter is. Yes. And all the variables that there, there are just so many variables to that question. And, you know, back when we both had offices and we had humans coming and you had a bad sciatic case where they couldn't sit, stand, lay down, and you'd see them five days, you know, you'd see them five days in a row or 10 days in a row and then three days a week for six weeks or something. You know, that was, that was a, a whole different time. I, I know in the horse world, You'd never get a, a rider ever to come three times a week. Well, that's okay because I don't want them. <laughs> so let's let's talk about that which <laughs> we want to bring into our lives, which are quadrupeds. Uh, the factors that influence the answer need to be understood by the practitioner and the client. So wherever you are on the spectrum, or both. You know, I, I am both a, um, a doctor and a client. And so this reality is when someone asks how often, we have to ask them the right questions. It depends is the only honest answer. Unless I'm making a road trip, in which case the next time I will see you is the next time in, I'm in your state. And that becomes the guiding principle for when those animals are able to get on my or your particular schedule. When we're talking about local, then what are the questions that you ask or what are the questions that you want answered to this question? Yeah. First of all, what's their job? Right. Couch potato, Grand Prix, or field dog or agility master. It makes a difference in terms of how much has to be outward in treatment and how much is a reorganization of home care. An environment makes a difference. Is it a dog by itself or is it a dog in a pack? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. You know, dog versus dog, big dog, small dog. Any emergency vet will tell you that 2 a.m. on a Saturday (laughs) into Sunday night, what are the emergencies that they see? Big dog versus small dog, them getting, you know, run over, T-boned or mauled. 
And in our experience, rib injuries in dogs are frequent from ones that get to play in a pack. And so they may need to be seen more often, but you can't predict it. So we have to educate the humans as to what to look for. Because the truth of the matter is how often an animal needs to be seen is more easily recognized by the caretaker than it is by whoever is in charge of their care. Yeah, because the dogs probably aren't going to go up and go, hey, can you take me to the chiropractor? I think I need an adjustment. Well, they asked me. Well, we, we well, know they different. asked me. Yeah, they no, asked no, me. I, that's, that's Dave dumb. was saying this the other day. I'll walk into a barn to work on horses, and the dog sees me out of the corner of its eye, walks up, places its sacrum under my hands, and says, excuse me. Um, and they typically are correct when, oh, they, yeah. when they make the we, choice. We've had random dogs come into the barn where we're working, run right up to her, spin around, put their butt up against her, and not for pets, you know. Yep. We all know that. And then want to, and then get adjusted, and then run right out of the barn. Like, okay, okay I got on, what I came for. We had that from a random dairy cow. <laughs> yeah, we did. So, who you know, sometimes the animals are quite more perceptive than the people who are taking care of them. And how, what are you going to do? What when we want to discuss this with you, it's like, how will you change your behavior to understand how to answer or ask this question more correctly? And what I mean by that is when someone leaves you with their dog or you leave a barn from the horse and someone says then, what's the next step? What are the criteria that you need in order to answer that question correctly? Yeah. And, and you also have to factor in what you just did. Okay, so I just adjusted the horse or the dog. You know, what volume of time do we give that to see what effect we get from it first? Well, and somebody asked me that yesterday, you know, do I need to give them a day off? In our practice, no. My favorite time to adjust a Grand Prix horse is seconds before it goes into the ring to give it its edge. And often with a hunter, I'd rather do it the day before to let it settle in and have them uh, really integrate it and not have it flip an on switch, but more likely um, like a light switch, you know, gr turn up the gradient and have it be a, a more gradual. So as Dave said before, what is this athlete doing or what is this couch potato doing? Is there musculature to develop? Do we need to give it a few days after whatever we've done for it in order to Okay, let's have them walk straight lines. Okay, let's have them do some lateral work. Let's give it a chance. And then we can say, let's give it a week. Let's give it two weeks. Uh, there's, there's the point here is you as a owner of a horse dog need to know the questions to ask. And you as a practitioner need to have an answer ready based on the criteria that makes the most sense to you. Yeah. And, and age is also a huge factor because when you're working with younger animals that are in growth phase, 
you, your adjustments, they grow into your adjustment basically. But then you have the older, older chronic animal that's degenerated in life, like some of the rest of us. And so you're adjusting to try to slow the progress of yeah, of that degeneration. Of that, degeneration. No, no, that, make, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, puppies are the best. Puppy can come in limping and have an adjustment, run out with no sense of dysfunction, and the answer is keep an eye on it. That animal may not need to be checked again for months because it's growing normally, it's growing happily, there's no evidence of dysfunction. And, you know, that's, there's no immediate need. If they're a confirmation show dog, then you want to see them before they go into their next class to make sure everything is functioning and moving and looking as good as possible. Yeah, and... And also understand that sometimes the young ones, like we had a, a young dog I adjusted the other day, is so wiggly <laughs> that it, when it gets so happy, it's wiggles so much it falls off the bed, it falls off the couch, you know. So it's young, but it's also and they run headfirst into <laughs> <Yes>. walls. So <laughs> how long will this treatment last? Whether you're a chiropractor, a physical therapist, an acupuncturist, a massage therapist, a PEMF therapist. How long will it last? The question that has to be immediately asked is, what do you do? What do they do on a daily basis? And there is no treatment in the world that will prevent any dysfunction when they run headfirst into an immovable object. We just had this with a horse, where I said, you know, this is such a strange finding I'm having with the Atlas, the Axis C3. Everything was equal, bilateral, and tense. And I said, you know, did, did you have a trailer issue? Did the horse flip over on the cross ties? What's going on there? And there was an incident. And I said, yeah, there was a whiplash. And a horse is more likely to injure upper cervically than lower cervically in a whiplash because they don't move like we do in the lower cervical. They have more movement at that pole area. Yeah, and it's you have to be able to evaluate your animal too. Most of you, you're around your animals all day long. So you're part of the equation because like we said, the animal's not going to ask to be seen but you're gonna watch its normal behaviors and find when it goes outside those normal behaviors or it doesn't have to necessarily limp, but it could all of a sudden be fearful or yes. be, or be uh, a dog bark, start barking for unknown reasons. It can have other patterns. Once they do something outside their normal patterns, that's when they, you know they need to be adjusted again. And, then, and interesting, so let's give some more examples of that. Dogs that typically will jump in and out of the car or jump on and off the bed. I would say the number one feedback I get after an animal is seen is, oh my God, he jumped right up. Now, I'm not a fan of dogs jumping down out of um, trucks, out of things, because yes, that's going to jam it just like humans jumping off their horse and landing and traumatizing their legs, not 
take, you know, even if you bend your knee, you're still coming down off of that and traumatizing the joint. Well, when the dog is jumping down and you see them, oh, but they love to do that. Yes. And it does mean that they need to be checked more often because they're going to be causing themselves damage. And by the time it shows up as a limp or as a grumpiness, well, then it may have been going on quite some time. So prevention, for sure, stairs. We got laughed at yesterday for the amount of stairs that lead up to our bed so that our dogs do not get traumatized while traumatizing us. <laughs> but we won't discuss yeah. that in the moment. So what is it that you're looking to accomplish? When we have our fine-tuned athletes that need where a hundredth of a second makes a difference, they can easily be on a weekly schedule and sometimes multiple. When we have an animal that we're looking to make their life more comfortable, well, then they may do fine with bi-monthly, and if they're young, they may be fine with monthly or even quarterly, if at home they are getting some supportive care. Yeah, because it falls down to, and when we say supportive care, that really adds, there's a lot of variability in that. I mean, that, that includes not just an, a massage therapist or an acupuncturist, or uh, do you get therapies like a, um, a blanket, a, a PMF yeah. blanket, or, you know, do you get some other form of therapies? And nutritionally, what yes. are they getting as well? Because that makes a big factor. Oh, we've seen the difference in taking um, our dogs to single source meals. And we saw increased activity, yeah. we saw increased energy, we saw better coats. So again, observation skills, but the supportive care is, are you watching the weight of your animal? Is your animal moving or is it created all day and gets its, you know, three 20 minute a day exercises? It's hard to keep something fit if it doesn't have any musculature to support its skeleton. Yeah, which that comes down to, I actually got to use the word strafunctional yesterday when someone asked me specifically, well, do you think it's the muscle of the spine? And I went, there is no spine that exists in space. Everything is muscular skeletal um, at, or muscular bony. You know, I mean, you, you don't have an arm in space. It's held together by muscles and ligaments. And truly, there's no difference you know, the end of a muscle is a tendon. It's not a different structure. So having an understanding of uh, how you can support them with food, with exercise. As a practitioner, are you giving homework? As a owner trainer, are you actually doing it? Yeah. Are you doing your carrot stretches? Are you doing your front leg stretches? You know, uh, are you currying in those areas that are extra in those areas that seem to be sensitive? You know, what else can you do? Cold hosing. And there's, there's so many possibilities. Even a, a back on track blanket for a horse. Yeah, ceramics yeah. Make, make a big difference. And with dogs, when you're, are you paying attention when you pet them? Is there an area that appears more ticklish? Is there more aversion to one area than the other? 
I, I, mean, I, I have to admit, my favorite adjustment last week was of the Newfoundland, if any of you saw that on um, Instagram. Here you had an, an older Newfie, nine years old, who was visibly limping, but, uh, but such a tiny bit. Such, you would never have expected this to show anything major. And yet, when doing range of motion, front limbs move perfectly, right heim extended perfectly, left heim would not, would not. There was so much defensiveness, so much protectiveness. Adjust the hip, adjust the opposite sacroiliac, that, that dog went, oh, perfect, I can extend it. Top line came up, looked totally flat, looked like they'd lost, you know, five years and was, you know, puppyish again. So when you can check your own or when you make sure that as a practitioner, you're not addressing the complaint, but the whole, then you can give the best advice for not only when they need to return, but what is the best course of action in the meantime. Because you know what? It's always in the meantime. Yeah, always and in the meantime. We're in the meantime for something every day. So we hope that you choose your meantime to be the most productive, the most supportive, healthiest and happiest you possibly can. Yeah. I'm Dr. Wendy Corrin. And this is Dr. Dave Lundquist. Have a spectacular rest of your day.